welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 20th of September with me, Bernadette Anderko. My colleague, John T. Warris, is joining us today to bring us up to speed with the latest events in the financial markets. And David Cole will be providing some insights into the key central bank meetings taking place before the end of this week. But now, though, let's crack on with what's been moving markets overnight with John T. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Bernadette. So, John, dear, ahead of this raft of central bank meetings that we've got on the, in the next three days, let's start with the data points that came out yesterday. We saw a rather mixed set of data around US housing and building starts. What can you tell us? Sure. Well, let's perhaps start with uh, the US housing starts data, which tumbled by more than 11% with the closely watched single family housing starts falling more than 4% in August, coming in behind expectations there. This marks the lowest level in the building of new homes since June 2020, as an upshoot in mortgage rates is weighing on demand for housing. Another data printout yesterday saw new building permits rise by almost 7%, with the surge in permits suggesting that new construction remains supported by a shortage of homes on the market. The housing market has been the sector hardest hit by the Federal Reserve's aggressive monetary policy tightening, and yesterday's data will likely reinforce the case for yet another pause at today's FOMC meeting. Okay, and we also saw Canadian inflation figures jump to 4%. What's behind this? That's right, yes. Uh, data out of Canada showed that the annual inflation rate there jumped 4% year-on-year in August, coming in above the estimated 3.8% and double the Bank of Canada's 2% target. This also marks a significant increase from July's rate of uh, just 3.3%. Uh, data showed that the increase was mainly due to higher petrol prices. And this is fueling speculation that the Bank of Canada may be forced to raise interest rates yet again at its next meeting in late October, with markets now having roughly doubled the likelihood of a hike in Canada to about 40%. Perhaps just as a reminder there, the Bank of Canada recently decided to pause rates at 5% at its last meeting a fortnight ago, following a series of 10 hikes since March last year. Okay, so did this data move the needle much in the North American markets in yesterday's session? Well, it didn't seem to bother traders too much, but uh, US equities did generally finish lower in trading yesterday, though stocks managed to close near their session highs. We saw some strength from big tech, though Amazon was a buck to the trend here, falling 1.7% and bringing the average for the sector down. The relative outperformers were healthcare and telecom, while energy was among the laggards, and the real estate sector also was dragged down on the back of the weak housing starts data. In fixed income markets, US treasuries were weaker with the curve flattening amid some upper pressure on yields from hotter Canadian inflation. The two-year yield gained four basis points to move above 5.10, while the 10-year gained six basis points, and an auction of 20-year US Treasury bonds drew a record high yield. Okay, so uh, going back to data again, I think we've just had UK inflation data and along with uh, German PPI numbers. What can you tell us there? Yes, well, perhaps starting with UK CPI. Now, higher energy prices didn't quite deliver the surprise to the upside as was feared in the uh, latest reading for August. Uh, inflation in the UK came in at 6.7%, um, and expectations were for an increase to the headline figure to 7%, following 6.8% uh, in July. So this is good news for the UK, and it shows that the sticky inflation there is slowly starting to come down. Um, core CPI, excluding uh, food and energy, came in at a surprising 6.2% versus uh, estimates of 6.8%. 
And yes, as you mentioned, we've also just seen German producer price index data print come out, which came slightly ahead um, of expectations at 0.3 versus an expected 0.1% for August month on month. Okay, so now we should uh, move to Asia, where the equity markets seem to be struggling a little today. Uh, What do you have for us there, John T.? Yes, well, in Asia, it appears that investors are playing a waiting game as stocks are drifting lower in today's session. Uh, Chinese banks kept their prime lending rates unchanged, which is weighing on Chinese stocks today. That said, uh, Chinese developers Sunak and Country Garden were able to deliver some relief to China's ailing property sector by forging debt deals with creditors. But the outlook remains uncertain around a recovery in home sales there. And elsewhere in Asia, Indian stocks with exposure to Canada, especially those held by Canadian pension funds, look set to see some volatility today, given the rising diplomatic tensions between the uh, two countries over the alleged murder of a Sikh leader. Okay, Um, so we've mentioned it a couple of times, but later today, it's what we've all been waiting for, the moment of truth when the US Federal Reserve Bellwether will announce its latest rate decision. And obviously, we've got David on the show to give us some more insights there. But Federal Reserve aside, what else can we expect from the day ahead, Jonti? Sure. In terms of data prints, today we can expect to see South African CPI data out, uh, the latest UK house price index data print, and also the Central Bank of Brazil will make its latest rate announcement later tonight. But yes, you mentioned before that is obviously the FOMC meeting, and uh, it's worth pointing out here, Bernadette, that traders are now pricing a 99% chance that the Fed will continue to hold rates where they are later today, and a roughly 70% chance that it will do the same at the next FOMC meeting in November. So investors will closely be following markets today in the run-up to the announcement, and I'm sure David will have more for us on this in a moment. Earnings throughout today include those from M&G, UK retailer Danelm and Swiss insurer Balois. And a quick look at the futures board shows that US equities are set for a slightly negative open later today. And that's it from me for today, Bernadette. Thank you so much for the the update, John T. It was uh, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Now, with a raft of central bank meetings this week, as we've said, not least of which those are the US Federal Reserve, Bank of England, Swiss National Bank and the Bank of Japan, it's great that our chief economist, David Cole, is able to join me this morning to give us his insights into how policymakers might be approaching these decisions. Good morning, David. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, I've mentioned what's coming up, David, but perhaps we should start with the ECB's hike last week. Uh, Can we gain any insights from that? I know that markets thought there was always a risk of a hike, but they weren't really expecting it, were they? Well, there was a risk for a hike, and uh, definitely the ECB is uh, had been in a very tricky situation as uh, inflation is still very high. So this is definitely the motivation to do more on the monetary policy tightening side, and uh, this had happened. At the same time, uh, we see like slowing momentum, slowing growth momentum quite heavily, and not only because of the influence of China, because of. Uh, demand uh, being pretty weak for for European goods, but also that uh, tighter monetary policy has its effect. So uh, when it comes to credit creation, all these aggregates pointing that uh, tight monetary policy already is affecting uh, economic activity, and it's with some time like uh, will affect also inflation. And basically, calibrating uh, the answer to this uh, to this backdrop uh, was difficult, is tricky, uh, and the ECB decided, well, let's do some bit more monetary policy tightening. And uh, the only good news, really, for financial markets uh, from that is uh, that you can be sure now a bit more. Uh, that uh, the ECB has most likely completed its monetary policy tightening without this step 
uh, probably the speculation would have continued that more rate hikes will come in the future. Uh, this is less likely now. Uh, we think the ECB has reached a level where monetary policy is tight enough really to slow the economy, uh, but also over the medium term to bring inflation further down. Okay, so then the ECB is likely done. What does that mean now for the Swiss National Bank this week? Are they likely to hike again as well? Yeah, we think yes, after the ECB uh, decided really to to act here on this uh, in this tricky situation. The SNB is a different but a similar a tricky situation uh, in this respect. Uh, inflation is actually 1.6% in Switzerland, so not really a reason to tighten monetary policy. At the same time, um, you can already expect that inflation will pick up uh, later this year. One reason, actually, and this is uh, very delicate for the SNB, that rent prices will increase nearly automatically in Switzerland, given that interest rates had been increased. So there is a link between higher interest rates and higher inflation, uh, which is quite unfortunate for, for the SNB. Nevertheless, even without this effect, uh, these so-called base effects are not favorable in Switzerland, but rather unfavorable. So without changing prices, the annual inflation rate in Switzerland would go up from 1.6% to about 2% in a couple of months. And with this in mind, we think that the SNB is now more ready to do like an insurance rate hike uh, to say we are doing something against uh, still probably lingering inflation risks in the future. And uh, we see here another European bank, the European Central Bank has done the same. So, of course, uh, this is a kind of tailwind to do here also this insurance policy against a possible uptick of inflation uh, in the future. So, insure here. And that's why we think that the SNB will most likely hike uh, its rates by 25 basis points tomorrow to 2%. Um, and keep in mind, the SNB has uh, meetings only every three months. So, the only next decision would be then in December. And this might be already too late to tackle. Uh, than higher inflation rates uh, than they are right now. Okay, good to know that, David. So uh, sticking with Europe, what are we expecting from the Bank of England uh, tomorrow? Well, John T already outlined, uh, yeah, inflation has probably a surprise to the downside. This is definitely good news. Is this enough um, to say to the Bank of England, we don't have to hike rates more? Probably not. So the um, the backdrop in the UK is still that inflation despite not surprising here now to the upside, is higher than in other regions and other in other areas. So, and as well, the Bank of England has in the past taken like the sole responsibility to tackle really uh, the inflation, the high inflation. And therefore, we think that the Bank of England is really on the way to hike rates uh, once more by 25 basis points to 5.5%. Uh, here as well, the uh, probably the surprise, the positive surprise from the inflation reading uh, is uh, the, just in this uh, respect supportive that uh, most likely um, the Bank of England can also declare we are done. Uh, we have reached the peak uh, of interest rates uh, because uh, inflation is uh, probably coming down slowly, uh, but in the right direction. Moving away from the, the 25 basis points club, what do you think the Bank of Japan is going to be doing this Friday? It's never so easy with them, is it? Yeah, the Bank of Japan is in a completely different situation. It's not about uh, if monetary policy is tight or tight enough or has to be tightened further. The Bank of Japan really takes its time and discusses uh, only the question, should we end the loose monetary policy? 
which we are still in. Uh, probably as a reminder, the Bank of Japan has a policy rate of z- minus 0.1%. And uh, that's another policy tool, has a yield uh, control uh, target of 100 basis points. So um, also controls the long-term uh, interest rates uh, in Japan. And the big discussion is, of course, uh, should we give up some of these uh, measures uh, which contribute to a loose monetary policy? And there's a big hurdle for the Bank of Japan. Um, yes, uh, Japan and the Bank of Japan acknowledges and sees uh, that inflation is higher in Japan, that wages are picking up. Uh, at the same time, it's probably not enough uh, still domestic inflationary pressure in Japan to justify, to go away uh, from a loose monetary policy, which had been implemented to really to get Japan out of a decade long or even more uh, a decade long a deflationary backdrop where price increases have never triggered uh, also wage increases and then domestic price increases. This is slowly happening, but the Bank of Japan wants to be sure that this is materializing first uh, before really acting on the monetary policy side. And this will be probably not this week. We expect uh, some more um, explanation uh, why the Bank of Japan or how the Bank of Japan uh, wants to um, w- wants to do this exit from this loose monetary policy at this week's meeting, and expect uh, most likely the end of the year first steps to go away from this loose monetary policy, and uh, first uh, probably to tackle would be here to abandon completely the yield curve control uh, for the ten year uh, JGBs, uh, which had been already weakened in the past meetings, but which is still in place. Okay, thanks for the explanation there, David. So finally, then, coming to today in the US, what we're all waiting for, um, am I right in thinking we still expect them to pause with hikes at today's meeting? Or might this recent rally in oil prices have raised their anxiety levels about inflation? Well, John, you already outlined, money markets expect that we would be very surprised when really the Fed uh, wants to surprise market and here uh, produce some kind of like hawkish shock to, to markets. Uh, we think they had plenty of opportunities to guide markets in, in, in this direction of, of a more like balanced expectations. Um, the most recent uptick in oil prices, energy prices, um, we think that the uh, Fed is in a situation which, which it can look through that. Um, they see that uh, other indicators uh, of the economy, in particular the labor market and the tightness in the labor market is e- slowly easing. This is helpful um, to really prevent that higher energy prices translate again in a broad-based inflationary pickup. We think that uh, when we look at underlying trends of inflation, which look not only at oil prices, which look not only at petrol prices or car insurance prices, which have recently picked up, but on a broad trend of indicators, uh, we see that they are still going in the direction of 2%. Uh, so here, everything is fine. There's no change in trend, uh, really, when it comes to inflation. It's just the volatility around this trend, uh, which is now creating a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, and therefore, we think that the Fed will stick really uh, to these expectations, um, not to high rates uh, this time, and most likely also not in the next meeting uh, in November. The really interesting question will be, uh, how do the Fed deal with the longer term outlook for interest rates? You know, they will publish also their new dot plot projections that will publish also new forecasts. 
Super. Thank you so much for those insights, David. A very comprehensive overview there on what to expect from many central banks. Uh, We'll look forward to hearing more from you and the team as those banks' decisions roll out. I thank you, Bernadette. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and, of course, you for listening. Please join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back with our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Meanwhile, good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.